0: Chili's baby bag ribs I want my baby bag baby bag baby bag I want my baby bag baby bag baby bag I want my baby bag baby Chili's baby bag ribs (laughs) I love The Office too much that's like (laughs) when you know it's just gonna be a bad period of time is when I start watching The Office because I literally have an addiction if I watch one episode I, I cannot stop watching I'm a fucking perfect advertisement for Peacock. Can't stop watching. Hmm. The advertising game is so interesting. Just like the way it cons. It's probably the best. The best example of repackaging old ideas to fit to fit the new, the new wave. Because I mean, like when I remember when I was doing one of my first interviews with uh, it was at Adam Fish. He's a AI researcher at he's worked at Google, Facebook and he's doing he was doing his PhD at MIT. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. And the way I said, uh, the way I was talking to him made me seem so dumb. Listening back on it, at least, mm-hmm. but I was, I was, we were talking about like personalized advertisements, and I was like, you know how Facebook harvests your personal user data and and sells ads directed to you. I was just saying it in really like, not uh, a nuanced way, um, but it's tr- Like the point stands that like this advertising world is like a dream because before you threw it on the side of threw it on a billboard on the side of the highway. And you just would hope that some of those people passing by care about your your gin that you're trying to sell or whatever you're trying to do or care about your shoes that you're trying to trying to promote. But it's like not everyone is wearing like women's boots. Now you can now you can target everyone that's ever looked at women's boots for more than five seconds, ten seconds and throw ads directly their way so that's why in this age of target like um age of information where you're able to really specifically target your ads having a target audience is all the more important because it can work so well and to your advantage i think even like the even like when you go to make an instagram ad it's cool just how specific you can get um like with interest age range age range gender um just really cool. It's crazy how like the technology we have now and that's not even like really cutting cutting edge. That's just like that's normal. Um, but the I've been doing some research into like the biotech scene right now because I have a I have a call with a guy named Adam Freund, I think that's how you pronounce his name, um, tonight at six thirty. And he worked at a company called Calico Life Sciences, which has gotten like a, hundreds of millions of dollars from funding from like big names. I think. Um, and if it's not that one, Jeff Bezos and Evan Zimmerman and a bunch of other big name people have donated huge amounts of money to these life science companies that are working on treatments for combating the disease of aging. And I've just been learning more about aging because I mean I loved I liked AP bio while I was in it. Um, and I remember asking asking my teacher I was like what like what is aging um because you know a lot of people still think of aging as like a natural normal phenomenon but a lot more people nowadays are are thinking about aging as a treatable curable disease and she she basically told me dr filer told me uh telomeres telomeres which are the caps on the ends of chromosomes And so through this, what my understanding of it, I'm no biologist, but just from the reading that I was doing last night and this morning, basically uh, telomeres through the process of cell division, which happens like for the normal cell, I think roughly like 50 times in a person's lifetime, something like that, Mm -hmm. around the 50th time or like somewhere in that 30, 40, 50, um, the telomeres are like getting like worn down with each repetitive uh, division. And so eventually the telomeres like completely dissolve or whatever, whatever they have, they're not there anymore. And the maintenance molecules that re- repair them stop ma- uh, ro- stop repairing them. I'm not sure why, that's one question I'm gonna ask him. Um, and basically those d- those chromosomes of the DNA, the two strands, say the DNA strands are like this because it's the double helix, they become uncapped and uh, the telomeres no longer cap them. So they're totally wild and they, there's all types of problems that occur when when basically the telomere cap is removed. And so that's one of the primary, primary uh mechanisms of aging i believe from my understanding of it but just like through through the reading i've been doing in the research it's just so much more complicated than you would like than you could expect like the human body is insane like like it is just mind-boggling that there's so many mechanisms like involved so many processes i mean you gotta think it's the human body is the result of like 3.4 billion years of, of evolution. Like, who knows how that f- those first initial, initial biotic signs of signs of life uh, came about? Maybe it was in uh, deep ocean sea vents, uh, the volcanic vents. Um, maybe there's some sort of uh, so, it, like an out of Africa theory, but out of the ocean theory, versus the the lightning hypothesis that we were taught in AP Bio. I think that sounds a little bit fictitious or it's too good of a story that lightning struck and, and abiotic turned to biotic life um that doesn't even seem really plausible but it's just crazy like that we started so small and then over this massive time scale that we really can't even comprehend like no one knows what 3.5 billion years is like bro we think a 100 years is like a lifetime and we consider a lifetime like so long 3.5 billion so what's that 350 million of those no 35 million 35 million of those hundred year lifespans and 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 35 million is a huge number too it's just the numbers are so ridiculous it's like my biggest problem with with so many different things it's being trapped inside the human perspective i mean you obviously you can make that case for consciousness i mean maybe it, you can own maybe con the exploration of consciousness is a first person uh it's an activity that requires studying it from the first person rather than the third person. Maybe that's true, but it's still, it's not easy to tell you that. Anyone can tell you that. Um, But the problem with numbers and and reference to what is large and uh, what is normal in your own life is so, so difficult to think about, like, atoms and even going down deeper in atoms, like when I'm, like, basically right now, I'm, I'm trying to understand the universe. And one of the problems right now that we're having with understanding the world reality is that there's a really great theory for understanding the small which is called quantum mechanics and uh einstein's theory of general relativity which is really um, great for understanding like larger bodies and their movements um and like how the force of gravity plays into it but there's it's difficult to reconcile those those two theories And so right now, there's string theory and and tons of different variations of string theory, um, which revolve around open and closed, like beyond uh, microscopic vibrating strings that can curl up on themselves. And it it gets really weird. um, But those are almost being somewhat disregarded right now. by some researchers working on loop quantum gravity, which is an approach uh, that is trying to reconcile those. And I'm I'm saying all this stuff. Do I really understand what loop quantum gravity is? No, like what I like to. Yes, it's the the problem with it is it's difficult. One of the one of the foundations of it is though um, it it's basic. It quantizes space and time, and so that in in ancient ancient Greece, I think Democritus. Um, basically came up with the hypothesis that the world's made up made up of atoms and so now we're moving to the like almost like the next evolution of that which is that the that we we know the atoms exist but what do atoms exist in so it's like the actual fabric of space and time like whatever all of this is is there is a smallest discrete amount so like my understanding of it right now is that, uh, that some of the smartest people in the world thinking about like a unified theory or thinking about like really how the how the universe is composed is thinking that space-time which is the fabric of everything from my understanding is discrete it is it is quantized it is it's almost like little miniature atoms and so the it's called the Planck length named after Maxwell uh, James Maxwell Planck um, early 19 1930 something like that and and so basically the the plank length is 10 to the negative 33rd 10 to the negative 35th something like that and i was like okay 10 to the negative 33rd okay and then i was going out my day and i was thinking about like a pause and like a pause sometimes you pause and you're like oh everything's still that was like one one unit like there's no time passes in that in that little pause sometimes you can do you know what i'm saying you can kind of feel that little breach between you're just like perfectly in the moment nothing's changing it's just there and I was like, oh, that, maybe that's a Planck length, what I just felt. Maybe that was when uh, no time was moving, really. It was just exactly now. No, uh, that was probably that was probably a trillion Planck lengths or more. And who knows how big a trillion is. Uh, a Planck length is 10 to the negative 30, 32, 33, 35, whatever it is, is I think a billion times smaller, a billion times smaller than the nucleus of an atom or a billion times smaller than a proton something like that something unimaginably small cuz we don't know how small atoms are or i don't at least how the how would i know how small like relative to what how small an atom is how, relative to what like my my fingernail like we're going to go on on in centimeters no that's ridiculous it's like we think of like orders of magnitude being understandable but if you're getting down to 30, 30 magnitudes smaller than anything that I can com- can comprehend. It's, it's. I can't understand it at all, and so that's like the uh, that's the small side of things. And then the big side of things, it's. I don't know if it's even more bizarre, but it's it's bizarre. Like when you're thinking about because I really try to understand the scope of the universe, and I can't, um, can't do it. It's it's Im- it's completely impossible. I can get to like. I don't even know how far i can get to because i try to think i try to think of this of of the earth like from my perspective as this big thing and then i zoom out and like look at it from the moon's perspective and i'm like okay i know how roughly how far the moon is and then it looks this side and then i'm like okay if the sun's 93 million miles away and it takes eight minutes for light to reach us light moves ridiculously fast something like a uh miles every second what is the what does that number even mean to us 186,000 miles in a single second what does that even mean no one I can't under I can't comprehend that that would be going around the world multiple times in a single second that doesn't even that breaks my brain and so to think that it takes eight eight times sixty whatever that is 480 460 uh, of those of those ridiculously fast units for light to travel between the Sun and the earth it is It's just remarkable how far away the sun is, and then you're like, "Holy shit, the sun is the closest, like the closest thing to us." (laughs) How do you make sense of that when the closest, one of like the closest neighbors we have, is is too far to imagine how far it is away? Then how do I imagine? How do I imagine how far another star is? Or 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 how do I account for the fact that there are like a billion stars? In, in our galaxy. I, I can't comprehend how, how big a galaxy is. And then in the observable universe, in the observable universe, there's something like, I don't know, like a hundred billion galaxies? That it doesn't <laughs> Those words don't even mean anything, that's what I'm saying. Like, I try my best to understand, but the truth is too difficult. That's like what they said in the, the first words of the Dao De Jing are, the dao of the dao is like or the the way um it's the movement i think of it as like the movement of the world the underlying current that just naturally occurs it's unspeakable so the the eternal dao is unspeakable those are the first words of basically the of the, of the main book of Taoism, um, which is like like my favorite eastern religion coupled with buddhism it's like the truth is unspeakable so what are we doing that's what i continually come back to it's either that the truth is unspeakable or the truth is non-applicable and i don't know what to do i don't know what to make of those things because i would like to understand the world just because it seems like the reasonable thing to do and so it's I almost want to understand the extremes of the world, the full scope of things. And so, what my point is partially that in trying to understand the full scope of things, in trying to build this model, this this infrastructure that I can use to kind of make sense of everything that I look at, it. I think I originally thought that it was going to be like. It was going to be like a hundred branches or something. I don't know if that even makes sense. But I thought it was going to be like a, a really difficult job, but that I could eventually have this. I mean I never said this straight out but that I would eventually have this model in my head that I could use to maybe look at everything. No. Everything's too complicated. It's like that's the that's the problem with being a generalist. That's why people specialize because it's too fucking complicated. And I like learning about everything. Like every like so many different areas interest me that I want to just n- know everything about everything just just for the sake of knowing it because I think it's interesting and it's just unbelievable that we can even know all these things in the first place let alone that this is the way things are if they are that way It's just unbelievable how complicated everything is like I'm in macro right now macroeconomics it's so complicated I mean that's one of the things I'm like damn does it really need to be all that complicated but like when I was doing the biology research, <sighs> I mean there're people way everyone working there's probably like way smarter than me like they know what they're doing like they wouldn't try to try, purposefully overcomplicate things like may, maybe in hundreds of years like if we stay alive that long then we'll will be able to come up with simpler models but right now it is just wildly complex i mean if you think about what is it the second law of thermodynamics that things just uh, that move, things move towards greater and greater entropy, and entropy is something like chaos or, or disorder. If you're thinking about that increase of uh, entropy over probably an, uh, this time scale of something like thirteen point eight billion years, I mean, come on! In the first, the first second of the Big Bang is enough to think about for a lifetime, and I'm trying to, and I'm trying to think about the entire consequence of that. Of that one of that one explosion that we call the big bang which is really an understatement and it's a 13.8 billion years of of evolution and change that it created like all this shit is just insane like it is unbelievable to think about i i can think about it for all day but where does it really get you i don't know some cool conversations hopefully people like to think about that enough to maybe listen to me talk about that with other people and people would like to come to my show to discuss just how strange it is that's the point of max depth the point of max depth is holy f- holy shit guys the world is unbelievably strange and complex can we talk about that for a second everyone's going about their day buzzing along going going to financial accounting going to cyborg anthropology because oh we are now merging with technology and we need to create a new system of ethics to to think about how a new species of of cyborg or whatever post human species whatever you want to call them i don't give a fuck what you call them their name um well, maybe that's against the code of ethics but that's just a lot going on and i just feel like we got to just say holy like guys this is crazy as i feel like not really that many people are saying that like that's my point. I'm like, how can anyone get anything done if they understand how, if they understand even a trillionth of some, or something of how strange the atomic world, of, of how big the universe is? How can we, how can you function like that? Like, I just don't understand. I guess this is why people go crazy. I mean, I'm sure a lot of um, crazy people were actually just really smart people that didn't didn't know what to do with all of their all of their learned knowledge. I mean, I could totally see myself. Going absolutely off the off the deep end um, after after learning how strange a world is. That's what the character in my book does. K. After I mean he kind of goes with he kind of takes for granted that string theory is correct and that the world is based in eleven dimensions. That that there's a lot more um, to reality right in front of us that we can't see. And I've kind of I feel like I've matured a little bit away from that stance. I don't take that so much for granted. Even though I I still think of it as a real possibility. He is almost like paralyzed by that understanding he's like guys how can how can you get anything done he doesn't say this but like the message is like like what is going on like there's there's caverns in my mind like there's there's this unconscious thing that can that kind of informs and controls my actions when i dream i'm thinking but i'm like almost i'm unconscious like what does that even mean how can we come up with ideas when we're not when we're not thinking like how, how can there be an in idea inside of us that we don't know right now like that's one how can there one day i'm going to come up with an idea and it's like and maybe it's not even that i learned new information like there's probably ideas in me right now that are the combination of That are like the 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 the, are the combination of so many different ideas and sources of information that I have in my head already, but why aren't I able to say all of those right now if they're inside of me? Like, or or like it's just so strange. Like I had I had a dream and it was like an entire lifetime. I was like. I was in Borbora. I was I was on the mat. It was raining, and then I was in these like these long tunnels in this like underground bunker, and then I was in a hotel, and like uh, where was I? I was somewhere else. It's like, and then I was old or something like that. And it's just it's just so bizarre, and I just don't get how anyone could go about their day without like this is what Willow was talking about when we, I had her on the podcast. But I mean I knew obviously I knew she was she thought this before too it was like she says that's why i don't really think about it too much like it's interesting but like i don't my mission isn't to find answers because you come become so wrapped up in things that you become wrapped up in searching for an answer that isn't really there or at least it's non-applicable or non-articulatable and god could i learn some wisdom from that but I feel like I'm too deep already, so maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm just done for. But, I don't know. I'd like to think that I'm doing something worthwhile. Because, like, it's like, am I do- am I doing something worthwhile? I hope so. I hope someone... I mean, no one's watching this now, but maybe one day people will. I mean, think about... I mean, I always, whenever I get sad about people not, like, recognizing me, which is self-centered and sounds to say because i really haven't done enough work to for people to to deserve recognition i haven't really put out anything of supreme quality but like nietzsche didn't really get any recognition and he was a profound thinker and a profound writer he was a laughed at and i mean in just if just the the book beyond good and evil is just unbelievable in scope it is insane the the breadth and depth he's able to cover it's similar to maps of meaning in that way that it talks about it combines like uh thoughts about evolution with just with creativity and just archetypal features of humanity that are just that are just beyond strange i mean humans are humans are particularly strange but also so is everything else so it's like yeah the fact that we're able to act out things before before we can understand what we're doing that's a piagetian idea um or like or uh for an example kids can act out the rules to games and play in a cooperative manner without being able to say what rules they're acting out. They can engage in fair cooperation without saying that they're being fair and just um, and want to play again. The, their actions speak before their words could even speak. It's not just louder. It's that the, the words aren't even there and they can speak or animals can do things. And they, I mean, they can't speak what they're doing. People think like one of the things is like how, how advanced are humans compared to other animals? We don't know. I mean, like, really. But like, we can think of like dogs or, or chimpanzees or, or any animal that makes noises. People are oh well, they're speaking. They're speaking. No, they're not. They're making noises that are signaling to maybe ten to a hundred different different uh, r- uh, patterns of common common uh, things that uh, we should bring attention to. Uh, maybe the the baboon will have a oh oh something like that that says a predator's coming or ow ow or something like, i don't know fucking make 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 your own bam, uh, baboon noises um uh and then see how ridiculous you sound but it's like they're just nowhere near as complicated as us like we can we are so we're just so complicated and that's like the thing is I i i struggle with thinking of us as Simple thing of sim- thing, seeing the world really simply and seeing the world really like uh, as being really complicated because I think it's both and you can look at it from different levels of analysis obviously but like the simple simple way maybe you can find the simple model but like the complexities of each individual step in that simple model are just <laughs> unimaginably complex and dense and difficult to understand and take years and years and years and years of understanding to understand just a single step. So the fact that I'm trying to get this entire model built before I die, I mean, hopefully, uh, I can send some money, money into Calico Life Sciences and freaking get me another 10 years, at least something like that. I say 180, but I want 180, and I say I want to live to 180 years. Um, but I mean, who after that first 100, am I, am I active am i still going to be able to pump am i still going to be like going out or what is my what is the 100 to 150 years span of my life look like am i like get am i shitting myself and not remembering who my kids are and my whom all my all my friends and family or dad? like no it's not really it's not really the way you want to I remember i was hearing something my grandfather was trying to use the uh not, well cryos the frozen. so yeah, cryogenic chambers to basically freeze your body um, until so, uh, until civilization develops a technology that is advanced enough to unfreeze him and then his, upload his mind to a computer that would be who 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 what text did I just read? Uh, cyborg cyborg says warp drive, something like that. I forget what the authors were and they were talking about, Different evolutions of, of what like cyborgs will look like, which, for me, is like a huge spectrum of like just increasingly, increasing merger with technology. Because I mean, when you think about, is is a person riding a bike a cyborg? Is a person with a pacemaker a cyborg? Who knows? And then maybe it's like one one argument you can make. Well, no, those aren't uh, a person with a pacemaker isn't a cyborg because. They were originally deficient, and the pacemaker brought them back up to that no, quote-unquote normal, uh, like average average human being capability. Um, but then it's like, then you, you have to adjust for what the new normal will look like, because I mean, in, in 30 years, or 100 years, or 200 years, the new normal might be extremely genetically engineered, something you remember that show Lab Rats? Fire show! fire show maybe that's our new normal and anyone and then like a normal person born today would be a severely deficient person compared to those those post human cyborgs which are really now their new normal it's like it's it's very difficult to pin pinpoint anything down when things are constantly changing and i think maybe that's the point like peter uh peter keating in in uh in the fountainhead he's like I don't know if he's saying this because he's a little bit presumptuous he got he got some big architecture thing after after dominique married married the wyland guy wyland paper owner um and of course of course what's his name um of course Rourke is doing his own thing in some small town but um peter keating goes yeah like the the fundamental axiom has changed people that only um uh, it's a book it's something like a, a novel about the characters and that one of the major themes is architecture since they're all kind of somewhat architects i don't know i don't want to read into it too much um, and he was like yeah modern art, architects are are pigeonholed in their own ways and then only classicalists are also also repressed in their own ways it's like the only he's you have to experiment with everything the only only true axiom or pillar is change but that's so hard to accept when you're trying to get an understanding of things because it's like i don't understand things now how am i supposed to understand things now when tomorrow it's going to be something different it's like all these stories are constantly developing and you didn't even understand the one from yesterday Mm, things are weird i love learning about them now and thinking about them these are cum stains. I'm pretty sure not mine though. Got to wonder. The debauchery is just off the charts. Also, can we talk about can we talk about what happens when you take psychedelic drugs? I mean, like you're not going to a whole nother world. You're still like biologically you're just have a different chemical balance in your brain in which you're interpreting the sensory information that's my belief at least and i think that's apropos am i using that word correctly (sighs) is that a useful way to think about what happens when you take psychedelics i think it is it's the most reasonable thing i feel like and so you're looking at the same world except god it looks different having never of course having never done them the world that you see that's why it's like say my say my argument i haven't really thought about this in a little while and i don't know how i'm going to think about it now but the the distinction between personal reality which is um basically there's personal reality and then there's external reality and most people think they're interacting with external reality they're actually interacting with personal reality Personal reality is our ability to make sense of external reality. Our abstractions, representations, pattern recognition of of this thing. This we only have five senses. Maybe, it, maybe it would take a thousand senses to understand everything. Or maybe, who knows? That's the point. The point is that external reality is untouchable. It's ununderstandable. So we can only go off. What personal, rea- uh, personal reality tells us, and we know that objective reality is is untouchable because we know that other animals have senses that are different from us and see the world in other ways, and maybe they're more adv- maybe they're they see more uh, external reality more truly or more incorrectly. I don't even know if uh, verily and incorrectly would be the right terms. I don't know if there is one true external reality. Like it's understandable from this path, like I understand the color and sound argument. Like I would say, like the the color argument would be like, um, is an apple red if there was no one there to perceive it, or would a would a tree falling in the woods make a sound if no one was there to hear it? And it's like in relational re- relational quantum mechanics, it you need an ob- an observer and a like the tree needs the person here the apple needs needs the perceiver to be able to be called red so in that case the tree doesn't make a sound if no one's there to perceive it and the apple isn't red if no one's there to see it and i think i mean i think it's pretty clear that colors aren't intrinsic properties of these things outside of us like they are like the color red or any color is from my understanding of it at least wavelengths hitting off this object and vibrating with a certain frequency and hitting out hitting our hitting our eyes and our ability to make sense of that and match it to all the other colors that we see in those same length wavelengths and we call that red so it's like the apple isn't red it it reflects a certain wavelength so it, it isn't really red but it has the properties of us to be able to interpret the color red. George Berkeley's argument, I think, it was something like that there is no external world, and that our ideas are basically fed straight down from us through God, which I think is, the end end argument the the final argument that he arrives at I think is ridiculous and untrue I think there is an external world but I it's difficult to argue argue for his for his steps like all of his steps are pretty sound um, for why he why the existence of an external world is up for debate because once you say that that color is an intrinsic property then you'll say um, like okay those are only sec- sound and color are secondary properties but like motion size and maybe mass are primary qualities but really berkeley's argument is just like well why would you say like that's such a vague line to draw that secondary qualities are are our imagination and our painting of red onto the world why isn't size and mass and shape also i don't have an argument for that and his arguments basically like the brain and the vat argument are almost like it's different from the simulation argument i think the simulation argument is better um brain and the vat is just i think it's i think it's something like a fantasy like i don't i don't think so and it's also like is personal personal reality versus external reality really even really even that applicable when I know at a fundamental level that we are me as an individual, I as an individual is really not separate from this entire interconnected system of the world like I mean there are different systems I don't know if any of them are really closed I think it's all kind of one giant system if you wanted to see it like that It's another problem can't even talk about that um but like we're one one piece in relation to this whole larger system that we are also a part of so is personal reality really different from objective reality when personal reality is embedded embedded in objective reality because we are objective reality we are truth like personal reality is a truth because it exists in my mind illusions Because we experience illusions they are true like an illusion or a dream Is is true it happened like you experienced it It's just weird I don't know what what a good definition for truth is it's Things are very very strange But it's like, when I'm doing this this research into longevity or whatever it is, like one of the, one of the cool things I found was, I always wondered why, why was, um, I don't know if you guys know this, or I guess I'll just tell, tell myself since I don't know if anyone's gonna be watching, but um, it's kind of negative to say that, bro, you got this. Um, intermittent fasting and restricted diet are often found in blue zones and blue zones are, basically areas where it's like fairly or very common to find people that are 90 and that live past their 100s and so one of the key characteristics of blue zones those longevity prone environments are restricted diets and a similar uh similar effect can is found um through intermittent fasting i believe so it's just like i mean one one thing is it's more difficult it's just like strenuous to carry around a way bigger mass is like you're tired all the time so it makes sense that there's just like less stress but this but the thing is stress is a difficult difficult world word to use in that in that description because i want to use stress in a positive sense in in what i'm saying why longevity is is linked to a restrictive diet because that uh the intermittent fasting puts your body into a place of beneficial stress and so it's something like um Something like the amino acids you get from meat are so abundant that it almost sedates your body, and that maybe the argument for the plant, the uh, vegetarian diet or the vegan diet, I guess, would be that plant proteins contain, uh, the plant diet contains just enough amino acids to um, give you enough nutrition, give you the fundamental nutrition, but not enough to sedate you. So in that diet, you're like your body is primed for attention which it, like increases your ability to repair DNA, like what we were talking about at the, the, the beginning when the telomeres are are uncapped. Like maybe that, maybe a, a plant-based diet with a a stable amount of a stable and pr- right amount of amino acids are more able to attend to those f- uh, breaks. It's strange that fasting like. Why was fasting used in in religious traditions? Because it was, I and mean, like basically all of them, fasting is a fasting is a is a core piece of basically all religious traditions. But we didn't know that it was good for expanding your lifetime. We thought in some way it was holy in the Brothers Karamazov in the monastery. Um, they're like yes, Father Zosima's Zosima's corpse reeks of decomposition because he didn't adhere to a strict fast, and and the elders and the monks that were most most um, vigilant in their fasting and vows of silence were were thought of as most holy. But why? Why was fasting like? Was it just their ability to maintain? Or, or or refuse i don't know i like buddhism because i think it is simple and accurate something like the world is suffering there's a lot and maybe it's not even suffering maybe it's suffering caused by your relationship with the world that you feel is unsatisfactory or not as much or is not as perfect as you want it to be maybe it's something like that but maybe that uh that suffering that unsatisfactory feeling is is because of your desires and attachments to the world and so i think it basically goes if you get rid of your desires and get rid of your attachments then you'll see suffering in you until enter this something like it and enlightenment or nirvana um i always get confused between enlightenment and nirvana i think and which one goes with hinduism and which one goes with buddhism if, if they are linked um but Like, one problem with me for that is, well, there there are things that you desire that are necessary and good, and so it's like, how do you balance between being happy in the moment, finding enlightenment uh, through letting go of your attachments and desires, and also moving from one place to another? Because we know, like, I wanna be perfectly happy in this moment, right here, I don't want, I don't want to feel like I need anything else. I am perfectly at peace now. If I died right now, it would be okay. I accept that. That's that's almost my version of enlightenment, which I feel like I'm close to. Like I say this to myself all the time. Like I'm like I've lived I've lived enough life for for a hundred lifetimes. I mean the things that I've done in my 19 years is is remarkable. It's most people don't even touch close to what I've done or the things I've seen or the people. Like I feel like the people I've met um, through in in a hundred years or in the past, like a person in 1200 they they would have gotten like a hundredth of of what i've experienced so far they haven't traveled the world they don't understand the depths and the things i have not to sound like i'm so grandiose but i've just i've been exposed to a lot and i think a lot and i i've just there's a lot going on in my life it's age isn't the number of seconds you've been alive or the years you've been alive it's the density of experiences packed into whatever time frame you're talking about That's a definition I've said before, but I think it's underrated. Underrated, that's the word I've been constantly looking for. I've wanted to use underrated so many times, and it's like I've been saying underhyped. I'm just like, no, that's not it. That's close, but it's not it. So how do you balance between being happy with where you are and continually moving to new places? And I think it's just being mindful that those are two extremes. Being that's the conservative uh, of wanting to maintain exactly the structure, and the liberal of uh, wanting to continually, continually change. And it's like, no, you wanna, you wanna do both. You wanna maintain the structure you have, and you wanna get, uh, you wanna cut down foundation, or you wanna cut down pieces that are uh, inactive or inefficient, and rebuild them or restructure with the new information you have. So it's the combination of those two opposing forces. So I think it is, it is able. You are able to um, both be happy in the moment and move towards new places. It's just difficult, and I think that's that's the balance that I, I hope to achieve. I I would like to achieve um, because that would be great. Because then you would combine the the wise old man that would combine the wise old man that is happy in the moment and the shrewd businessman that has a, that moves the world. So you both move the world and are happy and fulfilled at every point in your in your journey which is i mean what better what more could you ask for than that to do something meaningful and enjoy what you're doing that's why i want to do this so bad because i could literally fucking sit here and talk to you guys like forever and imagine if there's another like another person like me that likes to talk here hopefully we would be able to have some discipline to like the problem with uh conversing with andrew is he has A lot to say and he talks for a while and it's like i want to say some stuff too to sometimes so it's difficult to kind of barge in because i don't want to interrupt them because i don't because my job as a host is is to listen but it's also like i have a lot to say so you know it's it's difficult it's i live a really difficult life jk my life's really really good it's actually stupid how good it is like then then you could think like oh simulation argument. My life's so good, it's not even real. But that's not... I think people are confused about when I say... Or when we talk about a simulation, like, what we're really saying. It's not... It's... The simulation argument and the brain and the vat argument is different, or, like, the matrix argument is different. The matrix... Or the matrix simulation is that you're hooked up somewhere and that all these things are being projected into you. But my version of the simulation argument is that somewhere... Or so, it's, I mean dude the big bang is a simulation argument like our basic understanding of what of of reality that the big bang happened and that we exploded out of it and that somehow somehow life formed and that somehow we've developed consciousness and be able to have discussions like this even though this isn't a discussion it's just me talking but it's it's like me, it, this is this is a discussion because i'm battling my other points of views and constantly attending to them but it's like the simulation argument is something like someone presses a go button on a computer and then, and then it starts and then like you know people, maybe there are rules to the game um, and those are something like fundamental laws, um, but I think in any way you look at it, the Big Bang and how we think see things now, that this is a simulation. Maybe it's not a technol uh, like uh, a a program-driven or uh, a code-driven simulation, but it's the same thing, it's a biological simulation or whatever, a chemical or electromagnetic, I don't even know what it is, that type of simulation. Like, it is ridiculously complex, we can't understand it, we don't know who our creator is, we don't really, we're trying to understand the rules of the game, it's a lot, my throat's dry, I think I'm gonna go have some lunch. I got a massage today, I got a call with Adam, I have a recitation, I had one class today, I don't know what I'm gonna do with Willa if she gets COVID. Of course, I want to see her, but like right before I go back to school, it just feels a little bit rushed. But I would, if she get does have COVID, I would seriously consider spending five days with her because holy shit, that'd be really great. I miss her. Love is a strange thing. Like it's so weird how real human emotions are like the emotions we feel I always I used to have a much more stoic approach that you could cook that happiness is the cookie that the brain bakes itself and maybe it is but like things like pain or because I never really experienced pain so I didn't know that it was uncontrollable or love or or sadness or sorrow these things are inescapable and not not they're not you don't do them they happen to you which is just bizarre, and it's weird how strong the forces. Like you think you're in control of yourself, but if you're not in control of your emotions, which I would argue that basically no one is. Like I, I would say I'm pretty stoic, and still I'm not anywhere near in, con- in close to my uh, in control of my emotions. You're guided by forces which you don't understand, and you're not in control of. And you say you're the agent for all of your actions. I don't know. Leave it on that idea. Ooh, nice little voice crack to end it, too. I wish... Let's see. I'm grateful for everything. I'm super, super grateful. I hope I have more interesting conversations with people. I hope and understand more about the world. I hope it's useful. I hope other people lead meaningful and fulfilling lives. I hope we can decrease the suffering of the world. Like, not not to sound like lofty without without proper without proper feeling but it's like i live such a good life i just like it sucks that not everyone can live with like me and like that's genuinely how i feel like i can't i'm not really in a position to change the lives of millions right now like i don't i don't know maybe i maybe i have the capacity to in my hands i have no idea how to do it um, maybe I'll learn along the way. Maybe this will this this will help people, or I'll start a company, or advise a company, or help fund a company that really helps a lot of people. But I mean, there's so much suffering in the world, and a lot of it is economic. So the problem is when you say when you if you said to a really poor person, money doesn't bring you happiness. It's like, all right, fuck you. Like money brings me the things I need to not be. So fucking stress all the time about what about the shitty job I have to work and the so many responsibilities I have because I'm poor and like just the difficulties of all of it. But it's also at one level like it's the middle way all over again. Of course, it's a middle way with everything. It's that um also at, when you're at a level like a, a moderate a moderate income level when you're not like when you're not food insecure or shelter insecure or you can pay for your education with somewhat, somewhat ease or without like serious difficulty without selling your house or something. I don't know what the exact line is, but the difference between 300,000 and 300 million, that increase doesn't bring you more happiness automatically. You have to, it's the way you engage and interact with the world. So if you think having physical cash in, in your hand is gonna bring you happiness obviously that's wrong or a car or a house no it's about your relationship as people your love of the journey and just your immersion in the world that brings you all of those things um i love you i'm grateful thank you and goodbye Chili's, baby